Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Charlton and Liar, sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. My name is Louis Mendes. This is the Big Match Preview. I hope you guys are all well uh, on your Thursday evening. On this week's show, we'll be gearing up for Saturday's trip uh, up to the Pirelli Stadium to take on Burton Albion. Plus, we'll talk through all of these transfer rumours uh, that have been going around uh, over the last few days. Right, joining me to do that, first up, top right of the screen, Tom Wallin. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. I feel, I feel like we've got quite a lot of um, unknowns to unpick in this first half an hour, so it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting show uh, in, in that regard. Also joining us at uh, bottom of the screen, he literally joined the call about five seconds before I uh, appeared on the screen, so I don't even know if his microphone's working, but it's uh, Mr. Mark. Can you hear me? Yeah. Mark? I'm yeah. all right, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you laugh, but I was turning off the Christmas tree lights, so that's what I was... Yeah. I got that... Got that up early. It's, uh, we're, we're literally about 12 months away from Christmas. But yeah, Just well, fun, it's man. lazy, mate. That's it. Yeah, it still hasn't turned them off. Well, there you go. So, uh, as I say on this week's show, we'll gear up uh, for the game with uh, Burton Albion. We've got a Burton Albion guest uh, joining us later, Edward Walker, uh, who likes to talk about all things uh, EFL on social media, but is a Burton Albion fan. Uh, will join us. We'll preview the game from our point of view as well. We want to hear from you guys. Hello to everybody uh, who's joining us in the chat. All hell let loose is in there. Ben. Uh, Andrew, Alan, Paul, another Paul, Sam, David, James, and uh, our very own Lewis Cat is in there as well. Good evening to all of you guys. Let us know if there's anything you'd like uh, us to talk about on this evening's show. Um, we'll, we'll discuss some of the latest transfer rumours. Uh, I don't know what you what you guys have heard. If there's anything you have, you've heard that we might not have heard, let us know. But there's loads of names that have been out there, names we've been linked with that sound like they're going elsewhere now, names that we've... Um, Currently still got in our squad, but will they be there for much longer? Um, yeah, loads to talk about. Uh, let us know what you'd like to know or your opinions on any of the people uh, we've been uh, linked with. Um, give us uh, give us your thoughts on that. Um, just before we, we dive into... Oh, I, I don't know why I put um, All Hell Let Loose's uh, comment up on screen there, because I probably don't. But um, just before we dive into the transfer stuff, Tom, we should just preview the game very briefly before we look at it in... Uh, deeper context later on in the show but Burton Albion away um, considering our terrible run of form uh, away from home and the fact they've now got the new manager bounce which saw them score two goals in a game for the first time since October uh, in their 3-2 defeat at Derby on, on uh, Monday night um, I don't know why I just don't feel very confident going into this one <laughs> bodes well doesn't it yeah I think uh, the the positives are obviously we didn't concede quite as late against Peterborough as we've done in recent weeks and the uh, the Port Vale away game was an entertaining game. We scored a few goals. So for that perspective, new midfield, obviously, and all, all signings generally have come in. So there are some positives, but we're, you know, we've got to be realistic. We're on a bad run of form. Um, largely, we're not playing brilliantly, or if we are, we're not playing brilliantly for long enough of the game. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's definite work to be done. One of those games that you look at, at the start of the season and you think that should be a three-pointer or at least a point. But going into it at the moment, as you say, with their new manager bounce and with the run that we're on, it's probably not going to be that straightforward because sadly this season, very few games have been. So uh, yeah, I'll be travelling up with uh, with hope. I don't know how much expectation. Mm. I think I'm on a replacement bus at one point, rail replacement bus on the way up to the Prelude on Saturday, which is uh, every little boy's dream. I mean, um, Burton Albion sitting on 28 points, are only two points behind us in the table, Mark. You know, we've... We've got a buffer between us and the drop zone of seven points plus quite a few teams as well, which does play a bigger part in it than you'd realise because it means all of those teams have to get results to go above you. But, I mean, if we hand Burton a result on Saturday, then it does chuck us right in the mix of it, doesn't it? Yeah, I I mean, I watched the Derby-Burton game and I thought Burton were unlucky not to get at least a point out of it. Their fight in the second half, um, and they've got some good players playing there, and Deji, of course. and they've just got this uh, kid on loan up front who took his goal very well. And you can, it's one of those ones, again, there is a sense of foreboding, but you don't know whether that's just a knock-on effect on all our games we've in the last eight games or so. You're just thinking we're resigned to that kind of thing. Now, we might surprise us. And like Tom says, with the new players in midfield, it might shake them up a bit. I think possibly... <sighs> I wouldn't be surprised to see a Simway come in at right back because I think they'll have watched that game back, seen a certain person's attitude to defending and thinking, right, he can come out. Um, midfield doesn't seem to be our problem at the moment. It seems to be up front and at the back. So it's a, it's a tough one. Would I take a point? I would because it still keeps us above everybody. I think if you lose and the teams below do start to pick up games, and they, they will do, OK, they've got to play each other. But we're not in any kind of form where you're thinking we could get out of a relegation scrap. And there's, there's, no, there's no such thing as being too good to go down. Mm. Uh, well, hopefully uh, we are, but yeah, certainly haven't shown it over the last few weeks. Right, let's talk transfers uh, then, Tom, I mean, I'll just run through a list of everything I've written down that seems to have happened uh, over the last few days. So if anyone's got anything in the chat that I've missed as well, give us a shout. So Will Goodwin uh, from Cheltenham was one that was linked uh, for a while. We seem to be in a bit of a bidding war with Oxford United for that one. It sounds like we've lost out on the player. Whether we lost out on the actual bidding war is it seems to be up for debate, but we certainly seem to be losing out on, on the player. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris is still nowhere. Uh, he's still at Port, uh, uh, Peterborough. Uh, Corey Blackett-Taylor is still with us, as far as we know. Uh, we've been linked today with the Port Vale striker, Uke Ipezo. Uh I've almost certainly butchered that, even though, obviously, I was only saying his name a couple of weeks ago when he was scoring uh, against us uh, up at Vale Park in that 3-3 draw. Lewis Ward, the goalkeeper from Swindon, has been heavily, heavily linked. Uh, he has left Swindon today. But again, unless something's happened in the last few minutes, I haven't seen any... Uh, confirmation that he's come in yet. So, yeah, there's that as well. Uh, there's also the link with Scott Fraser going up to uh, Motherwell is, is one link that's out there. We heard from uh, Michael Appleton when I spoke to him the other day, um, and he certainly said that Charlton wouldn't stand uh, in his way um, if uh, an offer were to come in that was that was good for him. But we'll talk, we'll talk about all those later. I mean, where, where do you want to start? Maybe the, the one that has been linked sort of fresh today with us, Uche Ikpezu. Um absolute presence up top was uh, how I described him in the first half against uh, against us 
up at Vale Park a few days ago, Tom. He, he, it was notable that he was a big lad. He had his strength and he knew how to use it. Not a massive goal scorer. You know, we've seen that with a lot of that type of striker. Um, scored against us, of course. I mean, you don't have to be a massive goal scorer to score against us. Um, but yeah, what, what's, your, what's your views on that, Link? And everyone in the chat, what do you make of the fact that we've um, uh, we've been linked to, to Uke Ipezi, Ipezu, the, uh, the striker up at Port Vale? I think probably the reaction from most people, I suspect, is when you've been linked to the likes of Johnson Clark Harris earlier in the window, and this is now what you're looking at. It, it feels like a step down and probably is a step down. I think what's encouraging from the rumours that I've seen about any of the strikers is we are clearly after a certain type of striker. And so it's not just plucking names out of a hat to a certain extent. I think we've got them. Um, a model of striker that we're looking for to support Alfie up there. And we're sticking to that model. Michael and, and Andy Scott have always said, look, we've got a list. If we don't get our first target, we will work our way down. And again, the strikers that we're talking about here all seem to fit in that. Would I prefer Johnson Clark Harris? Yes, of course. I think his, his reputation, his goal scoring pedigree uh, is stronger, but having seen the game at Port Vale and, uh, and, you know, knowing that we need a striker in is getting him in better than no striker for the rest of the season. Absolutely. And, you know, it's very easy for me to wheel out the Josh Parker example. I feel I'd do it quite a lot, but you can bring strikers in that don't have to ultimately just be about goals. If he can bring others into play, if he can support May, if he can do, you know, do the doggies and do the hard work to support those other players around him, the other likes of the wingers that we might be bringing in, etc then there is a place for somebody like that in our team. So I'm not getting too down about it. If it is him that's coming in, um, I, I think he'll offer us something. As I say, it probably is a slight downgrade on the likes of Johnson, Clark, Harris, but we have to be realistic about where we are now. Strikers of that ilk probably don't want to be in a relegation scrap. And I think whilst the longer term strategy of this ownership still needs to be proven, I know they're talking quite a good game based on the, the YouTube thing the other week. As a player, you look at that and you probably think, well, actually, if somebody like a Derby or whoever is looking at me, I've got potentially a promotion this season. So, yeah, it's um, it, he wouldn't have been first on my shopping list. But at the same time, I, I don't think it should be ruled out. And I think potentially he could offer something. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with that. But I agree with with kind of general comments. A striker is, is essential before the window closes. Yeah, I mean, the, the the second striker, if you will, sort of role that we've seen played by many people over the years is is often one that goes underappreciated. Oh, Carl Lieburn's obviously the, the big the big example of that. Spamfish pointing out that he didn't score many. He's, he scored a few, but obviously yeah, he didn't score many. And, and Mark Bright, he said, didn't score many when Mendonca was on fire. I always thought maybe Dion Burton sort of fitted that, that role as well, Mark. And, you know... It, as as Tom said, if, if we need someone to come in and do the dog the, the doggies and whatever he called it, the dirty work, you know, I, I was impressed by his strength on the ball when we played up there a couple of weeks ago. Like I remember him early on brushing a, a brushing off him. Must must have been Jones. Um, uh, I tweeted really early in the game when we were up there. He says he, he looks like a bit of a presence. Um, up top, and well, you know, if, if we aren't going to get our first choice, maybe they've seen something in this guy they think can replace the sort of player that we're looking for up there. Yeah, two things. I think, well, first of all, I'm going to defend Carl Lieburn. I mean, I'm, I remember when he came in at 19, he was all legs and arms, and yeah, he couldn't score, but he was into a team which we had no money, and he never stopped. He didn't stop trying. I think he scored over 50 goals in his career at Charlton. 
Um, Ikpizu, I think, is the kind of striker you get when you go and get him off wish. Um, but it depends if if I, I've always advocated playing two up front. But if you're going to play the big man, is he going to play Alfie out on the wing or is he going to play him actually closer so he can pick up and he can swarm about? I think unless you're going to play Alfie closer to him, it, it would be a bit pointless because he's just going to push Alfie out on the wing again. Um, he's not got a great goal scoring record, but like Tom said, with a Parker example, you know, the work you do for the team does go un- unappreciated. And it's rare for us to have two up front who are both scoring equally. I think Hunt and Mendonca, you know, they shared amongst themselves. With Lee Burn, he had Nelson. Um, they shared it between them. You know, Kermigan, Wright Phillips. But we haven't really had a two. You know, when Taylor was scoring, it was just, just him. And like with Alfie, OK, all the strikers have been injured playing alongside him. So it's difficult. It depends if they want to change the sort of like the ethos of how we play or whether he still wants to have that sort of like one person and two either side. And then you're looking about who you're going to have the other side of him. You know, if he thinks, yeah, I remember, you know, he was a big lad. And if, like I said, he can stick the ball, you know, and bring other people in. We've now developed a midfield, which is very good. So it could be a piece of a puzzle, but, you know, you wonder how far down the list his name was. You know, Johnson Clark Harris, yeah, he's not going to come to us now. I think he thinks it's him and his agent, he's bigger than that. And I think someone said this week he's just going to wait to like the last window, the last week of a window, and go to a desperate championship side, you know, on, on put on more money than we can offer anyway. So, you know, something like a West Brom. So, so if this guy comes in, you know, we'll just give him time, see what he can do. Just don't expect him to come in and start scoring goal after goal after goal because that's mm. obviously not what he does. Yeah, it's very early days yet, yeah, even in, in terms of the rumour. You know, we've only really started seeing it coming coming about today. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. I mean, Paul's saying that Jones couldn't handle Ikpezu at all, got booked early on, so I had to be careful with tackling him. Uh, remember the goal that that he did score, where, where again, Ash might have saved it, but Jones was beaten to him uh, in the air as well. Uh, Dan saying, if it's the Port Vale guy, I think we might need one more in, such as Sam Smith as well, just in case uh, it doesn't work out. It has been uh, a bit of a shopping spree at Reading at the moment, isn't there? And it sounds like I saw... I saw Rumours earlier that Sam Smith might be available, not necessarily to us, but to, to someone. Um, Tim saying, I agree with Tom. I think we need a big man up top to compliment uh, May. Chucks or Miles would be a godsend right now, and it would make a a, a big difference uh, as well. Alan said he saw Lee Burns' hat-trick at Ipswich, which is obviously obviously had a good memory of that one. Um, yeah, and David says Appleton needs to play two up top. I mean, we'll talk a bit more about the formation actually in a bit, Tom, but I, I did mention on, on Sunday's show in the interview with Michael, it does feel like they are now... Um, recruiting towards a different formation, and that does sort of come to the to the Corey Blackett Taylor stuff. Um, you know, uh, as far as we know, he hasn't gone anywhere yet. You know, there was rumours, um, or there there was facts, which is what you get from Richard Corley, where he talks about the bids uh, in the region of I think I think the highest one went up to about two hundred and fifty grand. There was rumours from a really crappy League One Twitter account that said we uh, Ipswich had had a bid accepted for 650 which is just a number they've made up which is why you shouldn't go to places like that for your information you should go to like legit people like transfers tash and um obviously richard corley um but yeah still still no word on that um paul one was very coy when asked about corey um on uh monday night after the game against burton tom i'm hoping i i'm i'm kind of still thinking like 
just because we're not safe yet, I still think it's a bit of a risk to sell Corey. Although we are obviously changing, we do appear to be changing shape. Perhaps the one where he might not be fitting in as well. We didn't, we don't like him as a wing back so much. We like him as an out and out winger slash you know attacking forward. But yeah, what, what, what would you reckon with that? Do, do you think the longer this goes on, it, it might? I don't know. It, it might make us more desperate to sell. We, we, we'll have a decision to make when, when it gets to crunch time, I guess. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think. Um... Jay's point in the in the chat that we're potentially preparing for life without him uh, and maybe Dobson is seems to be the case as you say I think the formation lends itself potentially to, to not having him in I agreed with a lot of your debate with Nath on on Sunday's show uh, I see your point of view and I agreed with with Nath's point of view that potentially if we force him to stay then we don't get the best out of him for the rest of the season anyway and so I think with the signings we're making and there still needs to be more I don't think we'd be as reliant on him anyway, and therefore we would get the goals that we need to to steer clear of this relegation scrap. So I don't think he's the be-all and end-all. I don't like the fact that we've been so heavily reliant on him anyway. It was the same with Jez for periods last season, and we can't be built on that long-term. Um, having said that, obviously having a player like that on your side is obviously better than not. So it's not an easy one, but I think ultimately he probably can perform above the level that we are this season. I think he's shown that by exceeding a lot of our own players. Um, and ultimately, if he wants to go and we can get some money in, then I would suggest it makes more sense to to use that money towards a striker or towards somebody that fits in the new formation rather than let him run his contract down just to steer clear of relegation. Because as I said on Sunday, I just I just don't think we're that close enough to it. No, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. And, you know, he might score on the last day to keep us up and then I'll be so grateful he's here. But I, I just don't see that happening. So I know those those rumours and those transfer pages, as you say, are a load of rubbish, but there's no smoke without fire. Official offers have been made, albeit at a lower level. I, I'm still of the opinion I'd be very surprised if he's here in, in two weeks' time, personally. Um, and... Up until this point, I still think pretty much, barring one or two performances, he's been putting in 100%. And those performances might just be he hasn't been seeing the ball as opposed to him giving up. So, yeah, it's going to be a difficult one. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all if we get rid of him, but obviously it will still be a big loss. But if we get a couple in between now and, and the end of the window, then I think we're in pretty good shape. Mm. Alan says, uh, does Corey want out? Mysterious injury in training last Friday. Has he played his last game? Uh, in any event, so I see Richard spoke to Mr. Appleton during the week and he still added no meat to the bones of that leg injury, which is, uh, yeah, a, a little bit suspicious if you if you put it that way, Mark. I mean, it's if Corey were to go this window, and, and I've been thinking about this for a while, actually, like it would, it would hurt because I, I think he's very important to us. But actually, for, for him personally, you have you have to say he's earned a move. Because you remember when we took him on on a, a temporary contract when he just just not signed a deal with Tranmere, you know we took a bit of a, a risk on him. And to be fair to him, like he's earned he's earned it with his performances over the last year. Like we've seen him improve and grow uh, as as a player over that time. I think Mark might have dropped his headphones. So I'll, I'll come back to you in a sec, Tom. But if he does go, I'd be frustrated. But um, yeah, he's earned it. So the, the more the most important thing for us is that we we either realise that we are changing shape to fit something without him, or we replace him. Sorry, did you need me to come in there? Yeah, I think Mark's dropped his headphones. So, <laughs> oh, is he back? No, he's not. Okay, uh, yeah, and and that's the challenge, right? And, and there's no the problem is there's no um, 
no fortune cookie or you know whatever it is in this we we don't know what's going to happen right you just can't tell um the injury thing to me again it's just my opinion but the injury thing to me it, i just don't believe it for it to come out randomly on the saturday morning that it happened on the friday afternoon now whether that's him angling for that or his agent angling for that or the club just taking him out of the firing line or what and this goes back to my point where there's been a few games where it's looked like he just hasn't wanted to get injured and um as I say, I don't know if that's being unfair on him and maybe he just hasn't been getting the ball anyway. But you think of those opening few months where he got the ball and every time he was getting to the byline and every time he was beating his man. And the last couple of games, we've seen that a little bit again, which again makes me think maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. As I say, I just don't think he's going to be a chart player by the end of the window. And I might be wrong. And if I am wrong and we've got him for the rest of this, this season and he gives us 100%, then I'll be delighted. But... I, I can't see us offering him a contract that he's going to want to accept beyond this year. And so I think it's either he goes now or he goes in the summer. And if he gives us the next few months and goes in the summer, brilliant. But I don't want to keep him against his will and then he sort of just downs tools, in which case he probably isn't going to play anyway. So, yeah, mm. it's it's not an easy one. Mm, yeah, certainly not. Right, Scott Fraser linked with a move to Motherwell uh, in one of the, I think the Daily Record, one of the Scottish papers today. It seemed to be a loan move. The, the, the snag with it potentially being that there's better money out there for both the player and for the club so whether that be a loan fee or, or even a permanent fee I'm not not, not certain uh, in England so Scott Fraser wants to go to Scotland he's got he's got a young family obviously he's from up there um, but the potential deals elsewhere in, in this country I mean yeah like I say um, all hell let loose said it could be a big lump off our wage bill obviously if he goes out on loan then it depends exactly how the um, the, the, the finances work and that in terms of who, who decides to, uh, um, to to pay what percentage, etc. Uh, etc. But I mean, there's a few in the chat saying Tim said uh, Fraser's uh, would, would be no loss um, for, for him. Um, what would you think, Mark? Would, would you be happy to see him off, off the wage bill in the next in the next couple of weeks? I've got a car full of petrol ready to take him wherever he needs to go, mate. I've, I've, he's one of those players who came in with such um hype and potential and just hasn't lived up at all and it just seemed lazy and not caring and he's just one of those players who after sort of like Sean Clare went last year and we thought and we kept giving Fraser for some reason we kept giving him um, more chances and saying you know hopefully 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 and every opportunity he's had he hasn't taken and I'm just thinking I just don't want that kind of player anymore I, you know, anyone who wants to go, go. I, there's no one in this team who I would be really, apart from Alfie, who I'd be sort of like sad to see go. And that's quite harsh now when you sort of like consider sort of like a lot of the players there. But I think there's, it does need a complete rebuild. And you've got to get rid of players who think they're, you know, maybe think they're too good for the club. And, um, you know, yeah, I want to see players who are giving effort. And I think with Fraser, I've never seen him in a match where he's come off looking absolutely knackered, where he's run himself into the game. You might say that's not his game, but you know, when you if you're playing football, you should be coming off that pitch absolutely tired, ready for sort of like a chow and a, a cup of tea. Don't look as if you could go another 90 minutes. And I think he's that kind of player. He'll, he'll go to another team, fine. And if it's Scotland, you know, like you say, he's got all the family and stuff up there. It makes a bit more sense for him. Would we get any money for him now? 
I don't think anyone's looking at any of our players apart from Alfie and say, we'll give you good, serious money. Um, I think with, with Corey, I think we'll end up probably keeping him to the summer and letting him go on a free because I don't think anyone's going to come in with their valuation and match the valuation. They're going to say, you know, a child want to get rid of him because he's going to go for free in the summer or will they accept, you know, 400 or whatever. I think if it's only going to be 400, take, let him go to the summer and then he'll go on a free. He'll probably get a move somewhere to a decent side, possibly of a championship or pick him up, someone who's going up. And look at it that way. But like I say there's no one there now. And Fraser's been almost sort of like the, the, the typical player we've had for the last couple of seasons where our seasons just have not kicked on it in any way, shape or form. And it's reasons for having players like that, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, interesting. One one thing I didn't say on the Corey stuff is I did see quotes from Paul, Paul Warren said he went out to see a wide player on Tuesday night. Obviously, we weren't playing Tuesday, so... They're obviously keep, maybe they're keeping their options uh, open uh, on that one. Um, on Fraser, I mean, guys saying Fraser no loss if Appleton continues to play him in a deep role, terribly uh, terrible defensively behind the striker in the number ten role. He is decent, twenty goal contributions uh, last season. Um, Finchy uh, Dan saying I see Scott Fraser looking knackered coming on as a sub. Uh, to, to be fair, um, Davenport saying Fraser's agent must have worked wonders given the amount we were on. I mean, Paul's put a number in the chat that we don't know for certain that's accurate. You, get, you always see these numbers thrown around that there's this one website that puts up what they believe to be people's wages, but my understanding is they've never actually been very accurate. So we don't know if that number that, that Paul's put in there is anywhere close to, to accurate, but certainly is one that's potentially um, uh, on the move. We'll we'll see how that um, works out. Uh, Scott's asking if there's an option to recall DJ uh, from St. Johnson and, and would you want to? I mean, I certainly no in, in the second part. I don't know if there is um, if, if there is one. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how that works. And we haven't really mentioned, so uh, this, this Lewis Ward goalkeeper from Swindon seems to be heavily linked. Um, doesn't seem to have played a great deal uh, from what I could see. I, I wonder if he's coming in as some sort of third choice goalkeeper or something along those lines. Tomer, if you think there might be movement elsewhere i suspect it's for movement elsewhere to be honest i I don't understand why we'd be getting him in otherwise i don't know if we need a a third i I was about to say a third keeper of that quality as i say i know he hasn't played a lot but it it seems a bit strange when we've we've not a kid basically yeah 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 yeah. so uh, i said it before i think it was the cambridge game my my sort of non-charter mates came and and they obviously give a more neutral view of of the game and they all said that they just didn't have any faith in in ash in terms of his ability to command his box and to lead his back four now i know he's still young and he he makes some good saves but if if appleton is starting to make his mark on this side and if he is being backed which it looks like he is in order to stick around at least for the the medium term then maybe he equally thinks do you know what ash is not my keeper going forward and he hasn't really had much opportunity to change it because of ice did not being fit so be interesting to see what happens for the remainder of this season and then what happens in the summer i don't think it's going to be anything necessarily immediate but as somebody said in the chat earlier on you know we're starting to now shape what appleton wants from this side and he's making big calls everywhere he's talked a few times about the fact that you know we need to make uh, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but kind of harsh decisions and, and big decisions. And maybe Keeper is another one. I, I like Ash on the whole, but I don't think he's been 
You know, he's, he's not someone I'm going to lose any sleep over if he goes. Eisted, we don't really know enough about yet. I don't think he's had his opportunity down to the injury. Same with this guy. You know, he could come in and be brilliant for all we know. So, yeah, it's another interesting one. I don't think keeper is our priority at the moment because I think Ash does a good enough job. But it sound to me anyway, sounds like it will maybe be something that gets addressed in the summer. Luke says, I can't take Ash seriously till he takes the mask off. He's like he's having Rodney Trotter dressed as Robin in golf. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Robert, you know, pointing out, isn't it down to the coaches to improve Ash? Yeah, I mean, certainly, we, you know, we like to see players improve over time. And, you know, I, I don't know if Ash has massively improved recently. I, 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 I still stand by. I think he's a decent enough shot stopper, but there's other other parts of his game uh, that certainly need uh, need, need work on. Um just finally, I mean, we talk about the fact. So, Will Goodwin was obviously one we were linked with uh, earlier on in the week, and now it sounds like he's going to Oxford. Um, judging by by what Rich has said, Mark, it looks like you know we 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 put on the table a relatively good deal for both the club, uh, Cheltenham, and and the player. But apparently, the location was a bit of a a part in in why he wants to go to Oxford. I mean, I don't know if that's the sort of thing you say when you're letting someone down gently, like, oh, you know, I prefer to live in Oxford, when realistically, you don't want to say, also, you're like mid-table fodder and Oxford have got a chance of going up this season. I mean, that does, does that maybe highlight a little bit how it can be quite difficult to attract players in our position? Uh, possibly, but v- uh, very quickly, let's go back to the keepers. Possibly this guy coming in is so they can send um, Harness out on loan and he gets some proper goal time because at the moment he's not getting anything. So that's why I'm thinking this goalkeeper's come in so we can actually get Harness out to play Gomes. But the Oxford thing is a strange because I've seen a lot of um, fans online saying, well, why is he going to choose Oxford over us? Well, two of the last three seasons, Oxford have finished higher than us. So it's not like we're sort of like that huge, you know, we've got to understand now. And if he wants to, you know, I'm not sure, I couldn't tell you the difference between, was it Cheltenham to Oxford and Cheltenham to London? Um, He just doesn't, like you say, if he doesn't doesn't fancy it, he doesn't fancy it. I I don't know. It's, I don't think we're in any any position where we can complain if a player we're interested in goes to another club because you just don't know for a hundred different reasons why it might not there could be a player here he's played with who he just doesn't personally like it you know it's not like if we were in the top two or top six then you'd be maybe looking and thinking well hold on a minute we're an attractive proposition we've got a chance of promotion <sighs> maybe he's looking and thinking well maybe oxford have a bit of a better chance than we do so it could be that it could <laughs> It could be any number of reasons. So I don't take it personally if someone doesn't want to sign for us because you're thinking, I'd like the players who come in, like Coventry, and say the right things. And you think to yourself, right, that's actually someone who does want to play for us. And you can you feel a, get a bit behind them. If you woo them too much, you know, and it's like day after day and you've given them flowers and chocolate and stuff like that, and they're still going, I'm in an R in, it's, they're, not, they're just stringing you along and it's not really mm. worth the end so you know if he doesn't come great loss not really it's just another player who just doesn't want to be here and we'll just get you know someone else who who does want to be here Hmm. just if you if you were talking about nathan harness we released him in the summer (laughs) he's he's playing for milton Keynes now although he's not playing there either unless unless there's another harness who's who's the third keeper uh we got well we've had molyneux recently um 
Yeah, maybe maybe that's who you mean. Okay, yeah, okay, it's Molyneux. I'm yeah. thinking of. I just, but it was, yeah. that, it was that the point remained the same. Mm. We only had Ash, and we had one of the kids before Eisted. I know we had mm. that lump who went off to and Bradford, but yeah, let's uh, let him the better. Oh hell, let loose pointing out that McGivory uh, moved to Stevenage on loan today, which will put a, a dent in their. Um, I've just been told Molyneux out for two months, injured as well. By the way. <laughs> put a dent in their promotion hopes right we're gonna have a quick break uh, when we come back we're gonna turn our attention uh, to saturday's trip uh, up to burton albion thinking about a new kitchen or bathroom find professional independent local installers with free home surveys itemized quotes and protected payments trading standards approved contracts and workmanship warranties the british institute of kitchen bedroom bathroom installations accredits installers to ensure they are police checked fully insured and experience. Take the risk out of home improvement. Visit bikbbi.org.uk. Hello, fellow addicts. I'm so excited to tell you all about our micropub, The River Owl House. The River Owl House is based in East Greenwich. It has six Pub of the Year awards, an ever changing selection of amazing beer. It's owned by Chomp fans, walkable to the ground in just 20 minutes with buses that go direct to the Valley, too. If your match day routine includes a drink with your friends, you must join your fellow addicts in the river. See you soon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview gearing up for Saturday's trip uh, up to uh, the Pirelli Stadium to take on the Burton Albion. Delighted to say we're going to be joined by a Burton Albion, Albion uh, correspondent uh, now. And uh, yeah, on the screen, you can see Edward Walker, who is a, a Burton fan, plus a well-known uh, EFL uh, chatter uh, as well. Um, evening, Edward. How are you doing? Evening, Lou. Hope you guys are all right. Yeah, not too bad. Um, how are you, more importantly, um, with the season you've had so far, changing manager, uh, not the best uh, run of form uh, for, for Burton Albion. How have you, you rated the start to the season? It's been a very average season. It's the best words to describe it. Uh, very streaky, a, a really bad start, a really decent spell kind of around October time, a really bad spell that led to the end of the, of the previous manager, Dino Mamria. A month with an interim, which was longer than I think any of us really thought it was going to be at the time. But the new boss is in. Uh, we've got so little to go so far, apart from a Monday night game of Derby, which we come out of feeling a bit disappointed. We've only lost we've lost in the final minutes. So I think the, probably the word to use at the minute is intrigue for what's coming next. And it'd be keen to see his first home game, certainly. Edward, tell us a little bit about the, the new manager and what you do know about him, because it's quite a strange route to kind of becoming your manager. 
Yeah, how much do I know? Uh, there's, there's not not much to say. Um, Martin Patterson, from my understanding, quite a veteran kind of striker. Um, played up at the top level, I believe, with Burnley for a period. He's had a number of caps to Northern Ireland in the past couple of goals to them. Um, his work has been in coaching. I think for the last seven or eight years, he's been working up towards this level, particularly as the assistant manager to Michael Duth in particular. So at Cheltenham and then at Swansea, Swansea spell came to quite a short end at the, at the beginning at the start of the season, he was incredibly keen to take on this job when it was available, and he he insists that he's ready. So it's uh, it's what you've seen from I think quite a number of low league sides at the minute, where you pick up someone who's very experienced as a coach, but quite limited with managerial experience, taking their first steps. And there's been a number of examples in the past of that working out quite well. So that's why we're quite intrigued to see what's coming now, because it's it's something we have done in the past. Burton has been the place where Nigel Kloss started his managerial career all those years ago. It's where Gary Rowett started out. Um, taking over as the from the assistant role from Paul Beskis, although Neil Warnock, one of his first jobs back in the 80s, was here. So we do have some previous good history, and the chairman's kind of given already Martin Patson this tag that he sees that same potential that he saw with Clough and with Rowett. So a bit of expectation to live up with, but it's clear that Patson's relishing the opportunity at the moment. Um, hi, Ed. I watched the um, game against Derby, and I thought, you know, you were very unlucky because your second-half performance... Um, really warranted that you got something out of that game. I mean, obviously, we know a lot about conceding after the 90th minute, <laughs> um, but there was surely that gives you an, there was enough good signs of that second half to you think that you want to be positive towards the second half of the season. That's certainly the hope. Yeah, it, it's really difficult because we are we're one game in. It was literally this time last week he was announced, so he's had so little time. It was a very abrupt announcement. Just came out of nowhere really that he. He got unveiled and the intrigue really starts from there. The Derby game was always one I think we expected to lose. I certainly felt being there at 2-0, that was it. It felt like the game was done and then a 15-minute spell, a couple of positive substitutions, game completely flipped around, back to 2-2 and then just the pain of conceding that, that late equaliser. So I think Martin Patterson and certainly the fans still the same. You come out of it feeling quite disappointed with the with the loss but you also take the positives of the fact that you're playing what is, I think, the form team in the league at the minute and you've you've got a back level from a position of seemingly being out of it and it's the positives you have to take into the first home game and beyond. You must be very excited about Joe Hugel joining on loan from Man United. Um, what, what can you tell us about him? Yep, again, very small window of moments so far, but um, I always maintain that the best striker score on their debut, so there's, there's a big positive <laughs> to go with there. Uh, We've had quite a good history, I think, with some of the loanies, particularly in the last few years. Daniel Jebison was one from a couple of years ago who had a really productive half season on loan from Sheffield United. Uh, this time last year, Dale Taylor came in from Nottingham Forest. He's now spent the season at Wickham and he had a positive impact as part of a survival push in the second half of last season. The hope is Hugo's the same. Uh, he seems someone who's incredibly sharp playing off the last man. That's particularly where his goal came from. And that composure in front of the goal is going to be a valuable asset to him because... Burn have been quite keen to let rid of their strikers in this January window so far. It's the only business done so far, but we've just seen Cole Stockton, who's ultimately gone down as a failure of a signing, move on to loan to Barrow. Um, Josh Gordon's gone down a level to Walsall. Rumours that Josh Walker's on his way. So there's going to be basically a handful of strikers left, him and probably Besley Barler at the moment. So the opportunity is certainly there for him to shine. Edward, uh, I was going to mention Stockton actually in part of my question because he's somebody that we, we'd wanted to talk fans had wanted for a couple of years because of his goal scoring and hadn't really done it with you and I was just looking at the table and and you don't seem to have scored a lot of goals throughout the season really I think it was your top scorer got five or six mm. so 
what do you do to rectify that? You talked a couple of bits about signings there, but how does the new manager look at improving that and ultimately getting you some goals in the side now? Well, that's what Martin Patterson has been saying, really, from the word go. He's kind of happy with the relative defensive structure. The problem is this team's lacked a real amount of creativity. They've been quite dependent on one of our deep line midfielders, Joe Power, to provide good quality set pieces. It's been a set piece threat. It's been a frequent thing in this team for a number of years. But there's been too many occasions where they've quite felt reliant, actually, on it to provide opportunities. And I think one of the frustrations we've had with the last manager, Dino Mamria, was going away to sides. And essentially, it was like playing a cup game against a team two leagues higher you'd go there essentially to the nil nil you wouldn't really make any effort to attack and there's been I think I counted it up there's been five occasions this season where Burton have lost and not even put a shot on goal so it's been a real frustration so far they are I think they're one of the lowest teams in the league for total shots and I think the only team below them are Cheltenham after their terrible start so it's something that really has to improve under Patterson and I think that's his idea at the minute he just kind of wants to facilitate this side, get them a bit more expressive, a bit more attacking and start the goal output because there are some players here to do it. It's just never really been allowed to flourish at the best of their ability so far. I think we've lost Mark again there, so I'll, I'll step in and just ask a couple more questions if that's all right, Edward. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when, when we played you guys at the Valley, um, and, and you know, don't take this personally, but um, quite a lot of us uh, came out of that game saying Burton were one of the worst sides we've ever seen. I mean, was that was that, was that roughly what Can you had been like? Was that side? Because I still think it was. No, no, I've, I've seen an angle that, it wasn't. that okay. shows it wasn't. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, late equaliser, for those who, who don't remember, late equaliser, just, just right at the end, we, we, we scored like a pretty good goal pretty early on. But, um, yeah, by the end of it, we just felt like we were sitting back waiting for what happened to happen. But yeah, a lot of us thought yep. Burton looked very limited. Is, is, is that Has that been sort of a, the, the standard performance in the first half of this campaign? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. It's very that's felt like a typical away performance, especially because the week before we'd gone to Oxford, beaten 3-0 without putting a shot on goal. So we were kind of dreading the idea of having to go away again to Charlton down into London. And yeah, the first half felt quite routine. Lloyd-Jones getting the header, you kind of roll your eyes and think the same again. And I thought the second half was quite positive, playing a bit more front-footed. Can they get the equaliser? You're never quite sure. Um, Sweeney popping up. I was expecting a flag. I, I Just the position he was, I was expecting the offside goal. So there was quite a bit of joy getting the equaliser there. And it ultimately felt like a, a good point to come out of. But I certainly think from a chart perspective, you'd be pretty annoyed that you didn't see that game out having got the lead. Yeah, and just finally, since since we got you here, I have sort of touted you as a bit of an EFL expert. You seem to you seem to know your way around the divisions. What what do you make of us? Like, what have you made of of our season that we've had? What do you make of Michael Appleton from from the outside looking in? It's always interesting to 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 get this viewpoint. I'm very neutral on Charlton. I, I struggle to really get a lot of high with them, but also a lot of down. Your your January window is really intriguing me at the minute. All these names that are being linked around and the signings so far. It's almost wondering to me, I'm fearing a little bit, if there's that little bit of pressure where if you do actually miss out on the top six, which still is a bit of a stretch to even reach so far, is it kind of becoming inexcusable potentially with the players that you're bringing in? I know it's quite a lot of talk about some of the personnel you have, some of the players you're bringing in. I've seen some wage figures flowing around them. I don't know how true those are about some of the players. And maybe there's frustrations. You haven't got certain individuals available at the moment. But I, I always want to see Charlton competing up at the top end of this league. And it, it, it feels to me like you're probably outside of the mix of doing that. And that must be quite frustrating. To feel like it could be another season holding yourself to maybe the middle of the table or the top half of League One again. Yeah, no, statistically, it's hugely unlikely we're going to get anywhere near the playoffs. So, yeah, we share your frustration 
um, Edward. Well, thank you, uh, thank you for your time, mate. That was really interesting. Um, obviously, good luck to, to Burton for the rest of the season, other than than Saturday. And yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on Charlton Live. Pleasure, guys. Have a good evening. There we go. That's Edward Walker who joined us on Charlton Live uh, to preview the game up at the Pirelli uh, Stadium uh, on Saturday. Yeah, like I say, an EFL expert. Um, yeah, so it says we're right slap bang in the middle, Tom, which is, which is pretty accurate, <laughs> to be fair. But it does pose the question, like, we clearly should be doing better with the players that we have. And, and it, it, we, we're not the only ones that get that from... You know, we hear that from, from outsiders. So that, that does say a lot. But also, you know, consistently we don't do it. So it, it does pose a lot of questions as to... As, as to why we are consistently um, underachievers uh, at this level. Yeah, but, you know, from from a Burton point of view, that, that new manager bounce, which is, you know, sometimes it's a myth, but sometimes it can be a thing. And, and we did see a good second-half performance from Burton on, on Monday. Uh, great finish from from that young Hugel striker they had on loan from, from Man United. Unlucky not to get a point away at Derby. Um, just things like that just, just make me worried for Saturday. It feels like we don't have a great record up there. I know we won... One nil up there under Jacko when Deji and uh, Jaden got themselves sent off. But yeah, we've had uh, we we we've had a couple of bad games up there recently as well. I mean, we don't seem to have a good away record in, in recent years, do we? And it's, it's funny. I, I usually, but not always, read the little preview that that the club put out on their website for games, and it always has the head to head at the bottom. And our head to heads against this level of opposition, I'm always like, ah, oh, either we can't have played them that much, or if we have played them, we must have a pretty positive record because we've been a big club for a, for a little while. And it never is. It's always pretty even. And I'm always like, how? How have we lost this many times to this club? So, yeah, as I said, kind of in my first answer of the show, really, we looked all right against Port Vale. I know we chucked it away three times, but there were good spells going forward. We've made some good loans, uh, some good signings generally, both on loan and permanent. But that second half against Peterborough, as I said, I know it's a, not a lot that you're uh, comparing it to, but I thought that was one of our better 45 minutes that we've had all season. So there are elements of, of January so far that have, have been OK. I still, as I said on Sunday show, that is not the standard that we can be looking at at all. But for this season, it's all just about making ourselves safe. And they're down there for a reason. I know they've got the new manager in, but this is a game that we should be targeting. It's one we would have been targeting at the start of the season. And we have to go in with that mentality. And at the moment, it's just a case of getting three points any which way we can. Uh, it, it's as simple as that. And if we can get a goal like we did at home and then we can actually hold on instead of chucking it away, then, yeah, everything will look a, a lot better this time next week, won't it? But it, it's not going to be easy. It's not from uh, from what Edward said. It's, you know, they're going to dig in. That He seems to be starting from the defence up. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to break them down. But But that's what we've got to go there and try and do. Mm, yeah, I mean, I started sort of mentioning it earlier on in the show when we were talking about transfers, Mark, but there, there does seem to be a change in shape in, in the offing we saw on Saturday, which it, what formation you'd call that I, I, is sort of a guess because we were sort of told before we were expecting 3-4-3, three, three, but Tanae Watson at times was so deep in that first half. It felt like there was that that box in midfield that almost left Alfie up top on his own with, with the two Campbells just behind him. And then Backinson, I think Don, it must have been Dobson in that square. So exactly what formation it was is, is hard to pinpoint. But let's say we're going to build roughly off a three at the back sort of situation. Um, I mean, do you expect to see that again this, this Saturday then? If we are going to now almost nail our, our colours to the mask with, with the, the type of players we're going to be, bring in. And if we are losing Corey, the type of players we're going to lose as well. No, I think he was going to revert back to a four for Saturday. Um I think if he's is what obviously would have watched the game 
against um, Derby and seen where Burton play and seen their vulnerabilities. And I think if we sit too deep and end up being a flat five at the back and invite more pressure, they will, you know, relish that. So I think if you go with a four, I think it keeps you a bit more compact across the whole pitch. Um, I think the new guy potentially will come in at centre-half alongside um, Jones, Eden on one side, and like I said, Simway on the other. Midfield, that's that's going to be an interesting one to see where he goes with this midfield, to see who, who, who starts, who, who he benches. Potentially, he'll probably keep the same uh, midfield and maybe start with a team which finished the game. It's... It's a bit of a turkey shoot at the moment, of course, because there's like more players coming back, players we know are going to be going. Um, address the elephant in the room with Dobson, whether he stays. I mean, I can't see him for one second going to a club in Hungary. I think that was linked up. But can, I, can you see him sort of like going somewhere else in this division? Potentially. Maybe someone like Portsmouth who've got a good chance of going up and have sort of like looked at him lovingly before. So it's difficult. Up front, we don't have much choice. You know, it's going to be Dan and May, and that's probably about it. Again, if Corey's mystery illness is cleared or he's not back, you know, again, we, we move on and try and fit someone else. But fit now, and now Kem's gone as well, we are a little short winger-wise. So it's difficult. It'll be interesting to see where Appleton goes. I just I don't want him to be too defensive. That's a thing. It's a, a balance. It's going to sound funny, but you know, get some balance in the team. You don't want too many players playing in the same position. If they know too, don't, do we need two defensive mids? No, we probably don't. So, you know, Watson, Coventry apparently had a good, set, you know, cameo. Does he start him with um, Blinkinson and Dobbo? Uh, I don't. You know what? I don't know. It's it's really going to be an interesting one when that team sheet comes out to see which way Appleton's thinking because mm. I, I, I've, I can't look at a team he's put out and gone, you know what? Man for man, that's who I'd pick. But I think that's the beauty of being a football fan. You know, you know it's a game made up of opinions. But sometimes you do look at teams he's picked and you're thinking – why is he doing that? So, I don't know. Maybe he's seeing something. Who knows? You know, he sees something in training. And like I say, if he's getting them playing a different way, maybe the players we've had playing this season, it will suit them slightly better. So, I don't know. It sounds, it's very ambiguous, I know. But, you know, I have to wait till Saturday at 2 o'clock and see who he's put in the list. Yeah, Michael says we need 10 uh, defensive midfielders based on how we... Uh, defend. Carl pointing out that apparently Mark sounds like Michael Jackson, uh, not one I've picked up on uh, before. I don't look like him. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll put it that way. Um, I mean, Sam's saying anything but a win on Saturday and Appleton needs to be sacked. I mean, again, we, we're not really thinking um, that that, that is, seems to be where the board are thinking at this moment in time, Tom, but at, at what point does all the new signings coming in, you know, got Connor Coventry is going to make a difference on Saturday, hopefully. At what point does he start to be judged based on this team that we're putting together for him when I've, there seems to have been, you know, an, an agreement in the in the course of the um, 
the window that the squad hasn't been good enough because they've made wholesale changes. I mean, uh, you, Mark mentioned there that Chem Campbell's gone back. We didn't even mention that earlier. Maybe we talk about, about him in a bit as well. But at what point does the pressure come on Michael Appleton? Because obviously the results have not been anywhere near good enough. Yeah, I think there's a difference between the pressure coming on him and him being judged. I think the pressure should be on him from day one, even with the side he's not uh, selected, if you like. And I think the, the early start w- was positive overall. He obviously has now been on a horrendous run, partly down to injuries, partly down to what appears to be stubbornness and playing players out of position, uh, and partly through kind of just a, ah, oh, well, we'll wait and we'll get January and, and that will change everything. So I think that heaps a bit more pressure on him once again uh, and starts to judge him. The pressure thing, I think, now kicks in basically from now to the end of the season. Um, as Patrick says in the chat there, we, we can't sack him during January. They, they've backed him now. I've obviously sort of talked about that. I, I wouldn't say defended it, but talked about understanding that decision quite a lot. It's not me for a moment suggesting that I think Michael Appleton is a brilliant manager or anything like that. But I spoke a lot after Holden got sacked about this circle that we go around at the moment and that, that cycle has to stop. I wish it hadn't stopped on Appleton, probably, but it has. And if we can just keep a manager for a bit, back a manager for a bit, that is the way we're going to get out of this division. So... So that's why I've said what I said. I still think he needs to be judged. And I do think for the back end of this season, if results don't pick up, he will be under pressure. If he loses this weekend, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But um, And I think we're, we're probably with him till the end of the season, irrespective now. Uh, and ultimately, if we finish mid-table, which realistically is probably as good as it gets, they have to back him in the summer. They have to give him what he wants. And then at the start of next season, he's going to have to prove himself. The challenge will be, if he doesn't, what do they do? Do they do like they've done with Dean and like they've done with Nigel Atkins and like they've done with all these other managers and sack him early on and the cycle starts again? Or do they continue to back him and give him some time and see what happens? And and that's the big debate. And that's where it, it can be quite challenging to be an owner. As I say, I don't think Appleton is, is a miracle worker or anything like that. I think he's potentially capable of getting us out of this division. I'd argue I think Holden probably was and possibly Jacko was, given the right backing. So. For me, it's less about the manager and more about the the board putting their hand in their pocket, supporting him like they seem to be doing, but not just doing it for one window, seeing this through. And that's something that means they're going to have to part with fans being disgruntled because the fans who want him sacked are, are well within their rights because the performances haven't been good enough. Yeah, and the results have obviously been uh, dreadful as well. Uh, Patrick saying, I'd rather judge him after uh, the window has closed. Guy says, uh, I don't think anyone really believes that Apples will uh, get us promoted next year. If the fans aren't behind him and don't believe in it, uh, then the players won't either. And that's just not going to happen. I mean, Paul's saying, uh, I think Appleton needs to be given uh, until the end of the season. Connor said the end of February, if we don't get any better, sack him and begin to plan for next season. I mean, that's sort of, I guess, where I'd be in terms of if I, if I was a decision maker in this process. If you are backing yourself, you know, like Andy Scott to give him the, the players to now go and operate with, then if that's the way you're thinking, then you've got to give him a little while to, to get those um, sort of players playing the way he wants, etc. But Alan's saying you have to keep him or you're just going to go around in circles. Uh, John's saying the same, keep uh, Appleton uh, for now. And then Paul's asking the big question is if we do start winning and it is a big if, do you think people will get on board with, with Appleton? I mean, is, is that what you think will happen next? It, it, would, it would take something. I mean, it would have to be a statement between now and the end of the season, Mark, I think, to win people back over. Because um, clearly, you know, as we said recently, he's not he's not that bothered about winning 
friends. You know, he's there to do his job. He's not he's not someone who does what Dean Holden did. You know, I, I'll be shocked if we see Appleton down down the oak after the next home game buying a couple of pints. That doesn't seem to be his style. No, um, I was thinking, and it's not wor- it's not worth much as well actually doing that. Like I know Dean Dean bought himself a lot of goodwill for that, but obviously you still need the results on the pitch. And if if Michael had the results and not the pints, I think people would still warm to him. I don't know because like I say I was I was thinking about this the other day about Appleton, and I'm thinking it doesn't make me feel one way or another. It's it's like such apathy. Um, I find his you know post-match conversations with you and Terry um, dry and dull and uh, emotionless. And I I find it really difficult, apart from sometimes if he's been riled by a question and he, he sort of like perks up a bit, he doesn't make... I'm, I'm not a kind of get him out, keep him in. I, I don't feel anything towards him and it's strange to have a chart manager normally with managers like that you 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 like them you start to hate them you know and they'll do something good and we'll have a great team and you think oh maybe i'm wrong with appleton i i just find nothing there where i can think of well this is a positive this is too much of a negative he's just uh, bland i mean maybe that's unfair on a man i mean i don't not everyone's going to be sort of like a Steve Evans or a Barry Fry kind of manager or Neil Warnock. I get that, but I'm thinking, can you see him? He said he wouldn't go in and boo the, the players. I'm thinking, but are you going to go in and absolute tear the strip off them and get them riled up and get them absolutely moving and to get the points and everything? Does he seem like the kind of manager who's going to mo- motivate you to run for a brick wall? I'm thinking, it, it just it's, it's meh with, with him, and it's it's difficult to feel that way because you're thinking with with a club and the players, you want to get behind the players, you want to get behind the team. There's going to be players you like, players you don't like. There's going to be a manager who comes out, waves his fist, and you know gets gets you excited and gets you sort of like going and feels part of what's going on. And with Appleton, it's just it's no. I, d- I don't feel anything about him, and it's strange to have that as a manager. I yeah. mean, we've gone through so many recently, and I can give you a list of goods and bads, but with him, it just doesn't make me feel anything. And I, I don't know whether that's worrying or just me being so nonplussed now with some of the football that it's just apathy, which is spreading across. Yeah, Connor says he's got more chance of getting three pints and and three points um, at the moment. Um, I do like the idea of Michael Appleton going in and booing the squad at half time. Like if he, if the, that, that's one way you could win me over. If the, if the club put out a video of him, if we're two 0 down at the Pirelli on Saturday, and he goes in at half time, just goes right up to Scott Fraser's face and like boos him in his face. That would send that would send a real message. I think for me, that that would win me over. Uh, Paul's saying, does Appleton's demeanour uh, inspire loyalty? I don't. I don't think it does. I mean, Sam's saying he's asking me if I think. The, the players aren't playing for, for Michael Appleton. I mean, they're not getting the results for him, certainly. It's, it's always a tough one to say whether you think the players are playing. Or people certainly look at, you know, Tanai Watson's tracking back on Saturday, even if he did have the excuse that he'd just been up at the other end of the pitch, stuff like that. You I mean, you get certain players who are always going to play for you. You get you get others maybe just don't give you that level of effort and, and that sort of stuff. But that is sort of why we are where we are over the last, 40 year, the last few years, because we, we, we don't get, always the right sort of character uh, of players. Just very briefly, Tom, because we're into the last minute. Um, 
if he's fit, and I hope he is to the extent that he can start, I'd love to see Connor Coventry start on Saturday. Yeah, I thought obviously a very, very brief cameo, but given the level that he's come from, um, I, I think he he looked a class above in that brief cameo the other week. Uh, again, not a lot to compare him to in that current squad, but but he looked very, very good. He, he looked like he could do a little bit of everything. So, yeah, if he can start, going back to your point around kind of relying on Corey Blackett-Taylor, there is the, the, the genesis of a midfield now coming together that actually could sort of uh, overrun other teams, whereas so many times we see our midfield being overrun. And so if we are changing our shape and we're, we're going with, with wing-backs and we're playing in a different way, then being able to play through that midfield is is an option now with the likes of him and Backinson and, and the Fiorini. So, yeah, I hope he can start. It'll be interesting to see what shape he goes with, what players he goes with based on the changes that have happened over the past couple of weeks. Um, uh, and, yeah, as I say, I, I think I know this squad is not elite, but I think there is enough in this squad to get three points up there for sure. Yeah, Guy, he put this earlier up in the chat as well. He said, jury out on Backinson, I think. Yeah, I think your commentary definitely came in and played really well. Backinson was okay. You know, I think, you know, maybe there's more to come. But, you know, a lot of people were well impressed with him because he got up and down the pitch. But we, we, we need to see a little bit more as he grows into the role. We'll, uh, we'll see that. Uh, if he can do that on Saturday, if he does play right, we've run out of time. We've gone overtime, uh, in fact. So massive thank you to everyone who's joined us live uh, on YouTube for um, this week's a big match uh, preview. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, the show. Big thanks to Edward Walker, uh, who joined us as our guest uh, earlier on to talk about Burton Abbey. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, so you never miss uh, another live stream. Thank you to Mark and to Tom. Good to speak to the pair of you. Cheers, Luke. Cheers, Tom. I'm Louis Meadows. Thanks for listening to Charlton Live, then sponsored by the British Institute of Kitchen, Bedroom and Bathroom Installation. We'll see you again here on YouTube, 10am on Sunday to look back at the game with Burton. We'll see you then. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.